Our scripture reading comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read verses 11 through 16. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the word of God. Good evening, Central Press. Uh, it really is a privilege to be here before you this evening, see my friends Logan and Melissa in the flesh for the first time in a year and a half. Um, let me just say thank you to Pastor Howard for the blessing of inviting me to speak this evening. I don't take it lightly. Uh, to be given the opportunity to preach at this pulpit. Uh, let me say two more things. This does not count against my sermon time, all right? <laughs> One, don't believe the press clippings. I'm, I'm, when my wife doesn't travel with me, I'm just going to ask her, like, can you just record like a two-minute video that says the other side of my life after people, you know, uh, introduce me with all of these accolades and stuff? I need you to tell the real deal so that uh, people don't have too high uh, of a view of me. Uh, and secondly, um, I, I want to turn our attention tonight to this passage, um, and as much as this is for... Pastor Logan Keck's installation. As I preach this, I'm, I'm preaching to myself as a pastor. Uh, I want to talk to you from those verses read in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 on this topic, uh, the pastor's profile picture. The pastor's profile picture. Would you pray with me this evening? Our Lord and our God, we bless you tonight. We give you praise, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our triune God of grace. We thank you for your word that is not dead, but that is living and active, that is sharper than any double-edged sword that pierces to the division of soul and spirit joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And, oh God, we are all in this place before you naked and exposed, before you to whom we must all give account. And this is good news because that means you know precisely what we stand in need of. So you, would you be pleased, Lord, 
to take these efforts of mine, weak and unworthy though they may be, and use them to speak your truth in this place. Speak your truth, give us what we need. Faith, hope, love, correction, joy, peace, whatever it might be, that we would be people who live for the glory and praise of Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Over the past 15 years or so, an old human desire has taken on new form and, uh, and meaning. From our very earliest days, we know and we learn that part of what it means to be human is to appear before others. We know from our earliest days, we start to know that we have a public presence. And all of us wants to have a, a positive public presence. We want, we want others to think well of us. And this desire has taken on new meaning in the age of social media. It is not a stretch to say that participating on social media means that the public you are appearing before might actually be the whole world. What was reserved for the most famous and well-known of entertainment, entertainers and stars and celebrities is now available to you and I, young and old, right here in Mooresville, North Carolina. So now we got a particular stress to deal with. What am I gonna select as my profile picture? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, gonna get on TikTok, what am I gonna do? LinkedIn, what image do I want to project for myself? It's an added pressure. Most of us, right, don't wake up in the morning, grab our smartphone, roll over, and take a selfie and use that for our profile picture. <laughs> you don't do that because you want people to, to think well of you, and you know that they're going to scrutinize you based on how you appear. You want people to click like and say, looking good, to your comment on your picture. And, and, and here's the deal. Here's the deal. As a minister of Jesus Christ, a fundamental aspect of his call is just that, having his life on display exposed to the public scrutiny of others. This section of 1 Timothy begins in verse 6 where the Apostle Paul says to his protege, Timothy, if you put these things before the, the, the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and the good doctrine that you have followed. And down in verse 11, he's still concerned to instruct Timothy and the church on what it means to be a good minister of of Christ Jesus. He's giving us the pastor's profile picture and he gets personal and he gets emphatic. Of the 16 verbs, in these six verses, 10 of them are imperatives. They are commands, exhortations, 
charges to, to help paint that profile picture. And Paul's message to Timothy was that his life was to be lived before the people, not just behind the pulpit. Why is that? Because as my friend Phil Riken says in his commentary on this text, for better or worse, to a greater or lesser extent, congregations are made in the image of their pastors. And so four things I want to share with you from this text on the pastor's profile picture, and I promise you, just because it's four things does not mean I'm taking 10 minutes for each point. I am Presbyterian after all. <laughs> Four things. Picturing authority, picturing the example, picturing the gift, and picturing the impact. Picturing authority, example, the gift, and the impact. Picturing authority. The first part of this profile picture is authority. A simple sentence in verse number 11 Command and teach these things. The phrase, these things, occurs eight times in this letter. Paul uses it eight times, and it sums up the instructions and the orders that he had given to Timothy, which he was to continue passing on to the churches in Ephesus. In other words, he was to be continually engaged in commanding and teaching apostolic instructions. And here's a reality that, that can rub up against our impulse to, to push back against authority. Right, we have the freedom to choose what church we want to attend. We've got the freedom to choose how much we want to participate. And, and as we see today, we even get to choose who our pastor is going to be. Senator Prez, you've selected Reverend Logan Keck to serve as a pastor in this church. And that means you have selected him as one who has true spiritual authority. He is someone who has the responsibility to teach and, yes, command in Jesus' name. Command to trust and obey God's word. See, we can be confused and or suspect about a pastor's spiritual authority in the church. These days, our pendulum can swing in, in multiple directions. You can, you can have the crowd that says, you know, what well, the Bible says, you know, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no, no harm. And those folks who mistakenly think that you're out of order if you scrutinize anything that a pastor says or does. Right? His pastor's... We're not Jesus. <laughs> we follow him. And so we are subject to scrutiny. But then there's the other extreme of an unwillingness to submit to biblical authority because he's just a man and he can't tell me what to do. The minister's authority is a spiritual authority, but it's nonetheless a real authority, and our text is a corrective for both of those unbiblical extremes. 
The corrective is seen in the way this authority is, is exercised. The apostle says in verse 13, Until I come, Timothy, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. He had said earlier in chapter 3 and verse 14 that he had hoped to come to Ephesus soon. Here he implies that there are some things that he'll take over when he gets there. But until then, Timothy is to devote himself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And make no mistake about it, this is the exercise of spiritual authority. He's to read the word of God publicly. Then he's to exhort the congregation. This exhortation, it is a charge to move the heart and the will of the people by proclaiming the truth of God's word. Preaching the scriptures that he reads publicly. Not only that, he's to teach and to instruct. This is both public and private exhortation of God's word, including, including its implications for, for who we are called to be as followers of Jesus Christ and how we are called to live. So the minister's authority is real, but it is exercised properly only as it is exercised under the authority of God's word. And listen, uh -oh. Pastor Logan Keck and Pastor Robert Howard are different men. <laughs> I w that wasn't a joke, but uh, cool, it's cool. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they have the same call. There's the same spiritual authority, the same call as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they are not the same men. They have the same call, but they are not the same people. You will hear, you will hear, Center Press, different practical applications and implications of the same word by each man. And Pastor Logan's legitimate implications and application of God's word is no less authoritative than Pastor Howard's, even if it's different. Because the pastor has no right to say you ought to do this or you ought to do that unless it's in line with what God's word says and requires. If it is, then Pastor Keck is actually charged to say it and we're charged to hear it and heed it. Okay, that might have been 10 minutes. That's the first point. There you go. The other ones are short, I promise. Authority is one facet of the profile, and it gets filled in more as the apostle begins to picture the pastor's example. Paul, he says, was anticipating that this exercise of authority in the church might be problematic for Timothy. So he says to him in verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Timothy was in his 30s. So, you know, happy birthday. It's the last year you get to make that claim. Timothy was in his 30s, still a young man. So the older folks might have had an issue with being under his authority as a, as, a, as a pastor, as a young guy. If you have an authority problem, Timothy, Paul is saying, how are you going to fix it? 
How was this problem manifesting itself in the church? Were people being openly disrespectful to, to Timothy? Were they simply ignoring him, dismissing what he says? Who knows? We don't. Paul doesn't say. Here's the thing, right? There still might have to, Pastor Keck even still might have to deal with authority issues. How can I say that? Like, y'all are beautiful. You're beautiful, but you're still people. You're still people. And every now and then, we find ourselves putting up resistance to the word of God. And our resisting the word of God very often manifests itself in our resisting the one who's proclaiming the word of God to us. How was Timothy to fix the problem? Was he simply to preach louder? Was he going to go on uh, uh, at the attack and, and put people on blast like on Twitter? Was he to declare his authority and say, y'all better submit to me or God's going to come for you? In a powerful charge, Paul says, be an example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. In other words, Timothy, let your life speak for itself. The pastor has spiritual authority, but he must lead by example and not by force. Look at the charge. Set the believer an example in speech and conduct. Your actions have to line up with your words. You can't just be Mr. Say and not be Mr. Do. You can't just preach the gospel. You have to live the gospel. You can't just preach about repentance and not be willing to repent yourself when you've wronged others. You can't just preach about forgiveness and be unwilling to forgive. You can't just preach about sharing the gospel with those who don't yet know Jesus and, and, and be unwilling to share the gospel yourself. You can't just talk about raising your children in the nurture and the admonition of, of the Lord and not be doing it yourself. You can't preach grace and then not be gracious. As Matthew Henry says in his Commentary, those who teach by their doctrine must teach by their life, or else they pull down with one hand what they build up with the other. Or as the Puritan Richard Braxter put it, he warns ministers, watch how they live, lest you may unsay with your lives that which you say with your tongues. Set the believers an example, he says, in love. He's to have a passionate and compassionate concern for those in his care. Set the believers an example in faith. He lives by faith. He preaches by faith. He works by faith. Set the believers an example in purity and make no mistake, sisters and brothers. Make no mistake, family. What he is talking about here is his primary reference is to sexual purity. Few things destroy a man's ministry like sexual sin. And few things bring dishonor to the more dishonor to the name of Jesus Christ than when one of his ministers is engaged in sexual sin. Set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Before we move on to point three, the gift, let me impress upon you the implication of the word. The word set the believers an example. This 
text is helpful in seeing what godly leadership in the church looks like, but don't miss the fact that the example is for you. The example is so that your life, church, would be a testimony of the glorious gospel of God in Jesus Christ. Inherent in this concern is that your speech and your conduct be in line with the gospel, that you would be those who love neighbor and love God, that your life would be lived by faith in the living God, and that purity would be a descriptive term for your life in the area of sex and sexuality. As a pastor, I... I might want to have a, a general and generic profile picture on social media, but there's no way, there's no way for Pastor Logan to set an example without exposing his life in some significant ways to the people he's called to serve. The call to exercise authority and set an example for the believers would be impossible for Timothy if verse 14 were not true of him. For power to do and be what he's charged to do and be did not come from himself. The third part of the profile picture is God's gift through the Holy Spirit. Paul points Timothy back to his ordination as a minister of the gospel with the charge in verse 14, do not neglect the gift that you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Paul says don't neglect the gift you have, literally the gift in you which was given to you by prophecy. And this is the second time in the letter that the Apostle Paul refers to prophecies made about Timothy. The first was in chapter 1 and verse 18. And then, as in now, is now, we're not given the content of those prophecies. The point is that he was called to the ministry by the Holy Spirit and gifted for this ministry with the authority and power to exercise it. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6, the apostle says to Timothy again and refers again to Timothy's ordination when he says to him, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. The charge not to neglect his gift but to fan it into flame reminded Timothy that he had a responsibility to use and to develop his gift. And the same is true right now today. It's easy to miss because God's usual way of, of working is through the ordinary. The church followed this church, right? You followed your denominational process in calling Pastor Logan. We had a little denominational meeting at the beginning of the service that I, as a member of the PCA, didn't, you know, couldn't vote in, you know, because, right. It's denominational stuff, right? And I'm sure along the way in deciding to call this pastor, that Pastor Howard and others, that y'all were praying about who God would have you hire. And through the process, what you've discerned, right, is that God has called him to be a pastor among you. He, God knew all along that Pastor Logan Keck was going to leave Boston and come to Mooresville, North Carolina. 
He knew it. And he gifted this brother for the work. He gifted him for the work. And he has the same charge. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. You didn't create it. It was given to you by the Spirit. Develop it. Fan it into flame for the blessing, the benefit, and the flourishing of this body. And what this means for you as a congregation is that God has wired and equipped this brother in particular ways. Again, he's wired and equipped in particular ways that are different from Pastor Howard, and there's delight for the congregation and the minister when he's free to develop and serve out of his gifting. Last part of the profile picture in our text is the pastor's impact in verses 15 and 16. The says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Timothy must be so devoted to the gospel of Christ Jesus. He must be so immersed in the gospel. He must persevere in the gospel for the salvation of the church. How does this gospel impact happen? Paul says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that your progress may be evident to all. Don't act. In other words, Timothy, don't act like you already arrived. Don't act like you already got it together and don't have any more growing in Christ Jesus to do. Live in such a way that others around you can see your progress, not in some bold, prideful, braggadocious way, but a hum humble walk and behind and following the Lord that is apparent to others. This is an extension of the charge to be an example. Your growth and grace, Logan, should be apparent to all. This is an unavoidable aspect of ministry it's necessary to be open to have others observe your progress whether you like it or not because ultimately it's not about you anyway it's about the message of the glory of God in Jesus Christ that's why the sobering charge to keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching is so necessary. Sound gospel living and sound gospel preaching and teaching is so closely tied to God's ordained means of bringing people out of the, the hateful state of being dead in sin to the marvelous light and life of glory in Jesus Christ that Paul can make it sound as though Timothy is actually saving people himself. Why? Because faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ and the word of Christ comes by the preaching of the gospel. Christian ministers are indispensable to God's plan for the salvation of the world. 
Sound gospel preaching and living can indeed mean the difference between life and death. When a minister watches his life and doctrine closely, he and the church get the great privilege of watching the Savior work. Jesus Christ loves his church. Jesus Christ loves this church. Part of the way he expresses that love is by giving her pastors who will be an example for the body in word and in deed so that this body might be built up as people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and are discipled in the words of the faith. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your love. Your love of not just the world, but particularly of your church. And thank you for the expression of that love by calling ministers to serve under and in your name for your glory. I pray your blessing upon this church that the addition of Pastor Keck to this pastoral ministry would be for the flourishing of this entire community under your lordship. Amen.